Welp, it's been about a week now since Election Day, and it seems that the nightmarish presidential campaign the country endured for the last year just progressed into a nightmarish four years. But that's the dim, weary America is done forecast. But what about the other end? If you can find yourself to see it, The end in which for the last eight years we had one of the greatest presidents ever, but in turn, we, the generation, and liberals, essentially rested on morals. We ignored injustices until they were plain in front of our faces. We took for granted each other's rights and cultures until some chose the idea of fear to make us pay attention. Including myself, we took that hope Obama brought us in 2008 and left it with the untouchable structure of our country instead of engaging in it with the people of our country. There's an image of a U.S. map with the makeup of just millennial votes, and it is overwhelmingly blue, which seems like we'd be in a better situation if our generation was the Electoral College. Yet, it was a fight a year earlier for many millennials to fully get behind Hillary, hastily voting for her and some not even voting at all, because we really just felt that burn and it was everything to us. But in the end, with what seemed like no choice, a lot of us finally agreed to, I guess I'm with her. So what does it all mean? As millennials, are we doing enough? Can we be asking more from our government, from those who run, from each other? Should we be storming the streets protesting a figure or structurally planning for an establishment change in the future? Are we even primed enough to challenge this undesirable control of government? You know, All these thoughts fall under this one big question. So Aline and Jasmine, as millennials, what can we do now? Hey, hey. (laughs) Hey, guys. Well, I think that... um, That's Jasmine, by the way. This is Jasmine. (laughs) If you don't know her voice, So I think we can all agree that this election has left people feeling more than disillusioned before um, than they did before the election started and throughout the duration of the election. So in order to basically deal with what we've been given, because um, at this point, there's nothing that we can really do. You know, Trump has been elected president. But what can we do as millennials to actually let our voices be heard, even if our voices don't align with what Trump believes in? So some of the things that I've been thinking about lately are local politicians are more accessible to us than higher ups in Congress and, you know, actual Trump himself. So if there's something that you're unhappy about, the only way to get it fixed is to lobby your local politicians. The more phone calls that they get about a certain issue, the more that they have to pay attention to it. And I think that even before this election, I think that's something that's been lacking. People don't really look to their local politicians. They look to higher ups and they blame them them for it. But our local politicians are also elected and they represent us more than the far off presidency. So I think that's something definitely to look towards. Just, you know, keep lobbying your local politicians. Yeah, yeah. And and I think there's no denying that this election loss has not just been a loss for the presidential seat, but it's been a loss for the idea of humanity in this country because a lot of people were especially with Bernie Sanders I think a lot of people were optimistic with mm-hmm. where our politicians were going mm-hmm. and with where politics in general was going and to see that so many people and I'm not saying so many people support Donald Trump's uh, misogynistic racist xenophobic mm-hmm. statements what mm-hmm. I'm saying is for a lot of people that wasn't a deal breaker um, it's okay for a lot of people that our president the person leading our country says these things. Well, president-elect still. still President-elect. And so 
I think in order, if you're if you're feeling, if you're sitting at home and you're feeling like, wow, I really didn't know that we had this big of a social issue in the country, and mm-hmm. you hadn't seen it before this election, this should be something to motivate you to do something mm-hmm. instead of sitting back and mourning the loss of Barack Obama. He's yeah. not gone. He's, <laughs> he's still not, around. He's still alive. Um, he's still alive. But like, go out there and. Join organizations and mm-hmm. protest things that you feel need to be protested and make your voice heard beyond just the Facebook status that you posted the day after the election. Yeah. If anything, we can find hope in Obama's guidance to Trump because apparently he's going to, you know, help him transition into the White House. I mean, it's his duty as president. I mean, yeah. I mean, but hopefully, you know, he steers him in the right direction because I've already heard some flip-flopping, yeah. apparently, that yes. is going on. I mean, what you brought up, Aline, with the, the social aspects of it, I actually talked to my parents last night, both of them at the at two different times. Um, and it was both two very different conversations, but it was very interesting because my mom, we butt heads a lot, like me and my mother, especially when it comes to politics for some reason, although she understands where I'm coming from and stuff. Um, But she brought up some good points because she works in kind of a rural area and she was talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, you were talking about how their their passion, like they didn't believe in the misogyny or the the, uh, racism, but yet it's because the economic structure he was bringing to them is what like really they were getting attracted to yeah and i think i think it's interesting because that's the same like a year ago or whatever that's the same we kind of have had an attraction to bernie sanders and i mean we like the millennials and whatnot like we really had this strong attraction to bernie sanders because he was against the establishment he was gonna cause wreck in the way and we're like yeah yeah essentially kind of you know take all the devilish aspects out of it that's kind of what Donald Trump was preaching to his people. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that it's like in our minds, we really wanted an anti-establishment person. We kind of got that just in the worst kind of way. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest things, I guess, that's going on right now is the protesting. So, I mean, I've heard both sides of it. You know, people saying, you know, this is kind of our it's our constitutional right to be protesting in the streets. Yet this is the democratic process. So like, what are we protesting? Are we protesting more Trump himself or are we protesting <laughs> the democratic process that was able to put him in the office, essentially? So we're not, I don't think people are protesting the democratic process. I think they realized that he was elected fair and square. By I the think electoral that college. By the electoral college. But it's like you can't pick and choose when you want it to work for you because if we were to examine the 2008 election with Obama, then technically he wouldn't be president if president if we didn't have the electoral college. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I don't think that people are protesting the process. I think people are protesting the individual. Had it been any other Republican candidate, I don't think the amount of protest that you see today would have occurred. But mm-hmm. because of Donald Trump's rhetoric full of hate and you know threatening basic, not basic, threatening human rights like you know threatening to defund Planned Parenthood. And, you know, just targeting immigrants and saying that he wants to kick all the Mexicans out. Those are the way he says it is just very strong. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that under, other candidates have proposed the same policies, but they mm-hmm. have worded it in a way that's been more acceptable to the but public. But then is that OK then? Honestly, 
I mean, Honestly, I don't know, no. just to play like a little devil's advocate off of that, because that was a very interesting point, because, I mean, essentially, essentially, and, and I brought this up with my parents, too, like, they were talking about, you know, politicians, they make all these promises, and they get into office, and then it's like, well, really can't do that for you, can you? And all that stuff, so. Like, I think Donald Trump is the ultimate salesman, mm-hmm. and he's sold his ideas to the American public, and they bought it, you mm-hmm. know? Like, he came with a platform completely void of any policy okay any logical policies i mean let's build a wall uh, across the mexican border that's a policy i guess but i mean is that a realistic policy you know i didn't see anything concrete or figuring out how are we going to fix the fiscal policy are we going to do a top-down economic strategy as is traditionally republican or are we going a different route you know we didn't really see much of policy it was just this is what I believe. This is the man that I am, and I'm selling it to you, and you're going to buy See, what happened here is uh, similar to that meme. That me- There was this meme that summed up what happened perfectly. Um, it's like when you go to a job interview. There and was a meme so. of Trump's face. And yeah. of his face when he when he first stepped into the White House, and it kind of looked like a worried, like, what did I get myself yeah. into mm-hmm. face? Mm-hmm. And the description was, when you lie to the person that's, interview- that you're, that's interviewing you and you tell them you know how to use Excel when you really don't, <laughs> that's what happened here. He thought that he knew how to run this presidency, but now that he is getting firsthand experience at what it's actually going to take, it's like, whoa, like... I really want this. Like, this is really me for the next four years. Mm-hmm. And to be frank, I don't know if this is common, pol- if this is, like, common in politics because I can't say, I mean, I'm only 22 years old, so I've only voted in one election before this one, so I can't call myself a politics guru that's been a lo- around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting how many things he's already walked back on. It's like one of the biggest allures of his campaign was, I'm taking away Obamacare. I'm going to repeal Obamacare. Now that he's up there, he goes, oh, Obamacare, we're, we might not repeal the whole thing. What? You know? So, I mean, well, first off, our country should not be as so shocked as it, it's read as it is with because all the older people came out and voted. And these I people that for, for the last eight years have been denied economically, you got people losing their jobs and stuff, which we are making great headway with Obamacare and whatnot. But of course, you know, there's other people on the spectrum. So he catered to them, but now he's getting into office. And like you said, are flip flopping on on the issues. So is it is it our duty to hold him? I mean, I definitely think it's our duty to hold him accountable. That's how. How are we? How can we go about, you know, making sure that this this kind of tumultuous moment can kind of spin out onto our side? Does that make sense? So where do we go from here? Basically, I mean, because it's it's so much. Like I think that was the first thing I asked myself as soon as I woke up the day after the election. Like, because I know myself. Like I don't like to be so politically active, which I think is just something along a lot of our generations. You know, we're just. I'll just tweet a hashtag every now and then, you know, yeah, I agree with that point of view. Let me tweet it out. And that's about it. But like how how if a person finally realizes like maybe there's some stuff to be done that we need to do, how do they go about doing that? What are some basic steps that people can just start doing if you guys can think of anything? Or maybe if you've thought of engaging in anything that you're going to be doing differently. Well, something interesting that I have seen and uh, is, you know, if you have the means to do it, it's very simple to do is donating to organizations that you believe in. Mm-hmm. There are organizations that work to put women in office. There are organizations that help immigrants' rights. There are organizations like Planned Parenthood. And it's funny because there's this trend going on right now, which one of our classmates did, 
um, where you donate to Planned Parenthood in Mike Pence's name, mm-hmm. and he'll receive uh, a certificate or something yeah, for for the a donation, at his house. which is you know that's it, that that is I think that's a good way to fight against the patriarchy, to fight against you know a system that you don't believe in right now. Mm-hmm. And also, just if you're passionate about human rights, start advocating for them. You know, like. If you start, if you see something wrong on the street, it's very easy for you to just walk by. And I'm not, it's like, if you see a woman being catcalled on the street or being harassed by a man a lot, most people will just walk by, right? And then to see those people, the same people that would walk by, Mm -hmm. be so fervent about this election and Mm -hmm. say that Donald Trump is taking away their rights. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you want to, if you really feel that way, if you really feel like you care about it, go do something. Yes. I, I agree with that. I definitely think it starts that conversation. That was one of my biggest points. I was like, because I don't know when at some point. It's really easy, I think, to just stop talking to people who do not agree with your views. Like, it's very easy to but just... But don't engage on the internet with these people. Oh, yeah. Do not... Oh, my gosh. Do not yeah. engage <laughs> in the internet. But still, like, I feel like we've just... We've been able to just shut ourselves off from people so these conversations aren't being had. Like, you know, these people, like, I, for the biggest examples, like Katy Perry, who sent out that tweet talking about um, her parents voted for Trump, but she'll go and eat Thanksgiving dinner with them. All great, but hey, Katie, are you going to talk to them about why they're voting for Trump? Like, why they feel like they must? And, you know, or why they voted for Trump? And I think I think that's where it starts, too. I think one of my friends, she was saying, you know, a lot of it is just going back and talking to her. And, I mean, really, too, a lot of it is, is contingent upon white liberals and what they're going to do because they were a big deciding factor in this election and... Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking of that me where it was like, we showed up, we got an A, <laughs> y'all got an F, y'all got 53%, so y'all need to start working on it. But yeah, so I think conversation, like you were saying, of the of the catcalling and stuff. Um, I've also heard some a couple of things about restructuring like the Democratic Party, but I don't even know how you would be able to do that like as a I young think, person. I think all the parties need to be restructured, but that's not something that we're going to do individually. Right? You know? What yeah. do you mean by restructured? Like, I think... Like changing the demographics of it? No, no. just re... Like, just re... Like coming back. Yeah, reevaluating life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like rearranging the platform? Like. Yeah, rearrange the platform. Re- think about... Okay, for example, uh, Hillary Clinton, she won the primaries a lot of people didn't expect her to win the primaries and a lot of people i'm talking like people our age were very optimistic that bernie sanders was going to win mm-hmm. you know? i was optimistic but i knew he didn't have a chance but but, but the thing but is why did why, why didn't bernie have a chance because of the establishment because, yeah. so just reevaluate. yeah and it's also you know um i think like it did play a role in this election. The media is just like I, don't I like think that the media. Yeah, I don't like talking about it <laughs> because all, we are all part of the media. media. But you know, understandably, I mean, but you have you have to talk about yes. it. You have to talk about it to understand what not to do in the future. Like that's media, what I was saying before. With understandably, the media mm. made the the wrong assertion that Donald and Trump the media is that there was no way here. that Donald Trump was going to win and therefore I think that a lot of the way that they covered it was like you know this man is crazy like who mm-hmm. would vote for this man yes. like mm-hmm. obviously there's people voting out there for him but they're all deplorables and mm-hmm. you know they're all I think they heightened it you know they heightened the sense of it so I think that like for example if like 
we had known that Hillary was in danger of losing, I think it would have motivated a lot of other people to come vote that that may have stood home because they assumed, like, there's no way that Donald Trump is going to win. So me going to the polls is not going to matter. Honestly, what time was the election called? Like, it's like 4, like four yeah. 30. Yeah. No, two, I think so like two. Like, it was like 2.30. Really? And then he I gave his speech. At like around, yeah. Look, like, I, knew, like I knew where this election was going by... 9 30 10 o'clock at night i was at the democratic party either they were watching their speeches or they were glued to the television because everyone there was like all right florida we needed florida florida was at what at, by, by 10 o'clock florida was at like 90 percent already reporting and florida mm-hmm. was red i was like it's forever red and okay I, I, I was like exactly <laughs> but, that's the thing, though. but everyone was people were surprised about yeah. this and i was like why are you surprised Wh- so so that's a good question why were people surprised? Because like, they were so, optimistic. They were hopeful. They were like, oh, maybe this place that is, which it does swing. It swings from mm-hmm. red, to, red to blue, depending. But I did not expect Florida to go blue this year. Never. It, it's red forever. Um, but is that because you think somehow, like, liberals, we, I don't know why I'm saying we, but I'm kind of liberal. Okay. Liberals, <laughs> they live in this bubble, right? We live in this bubble of rights and Black Lives Matter, gay marriage. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And not paying attention to the rest of the country. I was like, mm-mm, hey, also, jobs, economics, yes. I'm over here. Like, what you talking about? So I think that that's what happens. And, I mean, how like, how do you stop that type of cycle? One thing that we can do is that we can unite our voices because as we— Let's talk about that. We, we need to talk about that. Because, I, you what know is, what, can you, can this you is you a sentiment— you were, you were there. There's a, you this were is there. a sentiment that, you know, has been expressed many times over and over again by different people, I'm sure, but has never come to fruition. There's too many organizations doing their own thing, That's and we true. all want the same thing. Like, if you have the same goals— Are you goals, pulling out Mark Lamont Hill? Come out, come out. You know, if you have the same goals as another, as another organization, put your resources together. Yes, You're stronger together. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way why everything should be so separated because yes. it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. we're weaker that way. We just need to be, become stronger. Listen, it was whatever week we there was a protest on campus and we went over. It was, like, late at Which, night. Oh, the Donald Trump Thursday protest? Thursday or it was something. On Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, right. Because I played soccer. Protest. What about... <laughs> You put yourself out there like that? Okay, Aline plays soccer, guys. She played soccer. Um, I played one day. There, <laughs> there's, there's about, what, 25 people out there, 25, 30, you know, just voicing anger because it was Thursday, so it was just still um, new, voicing anger, you know, just, just chanting together. And it was, it, was really, it was really good. It was really nice. But we're walking away from it, and we hear more shouting. And we're like, if there's another protest, that's crazy. There was. No, no there was there wasn't. It was a probate, which is for mostly, oh, if you're not familiar, exactly. yeah, mostly yeah. for uh, Latina or African-American fraternity sororities. They have this kind of coming out show. I stumbled 50, upon one by accident. 50 to maybe 70, 80 people. There was like 200 people there. Okay. <laughs> My numbers are skewed. <laughs> they did. Yes, that is true. I've been to a few in my time, and yeah, they're always packed over there. And I'm a sorority. I'm in a sorority, so I understand probates, you mm-hmm. know. But I just felt like those two different events happening at the same time it was, was just. Not- it was striking. It said something. It said something that even even as Democrats or progressive thinking people. We still have. I, that's we what need I need people to understand. There, there is. It's like everywhere, and the only way this is going to work through if, if there's a conversation. I was telling Jasmine. I was like, I mean, easily, 
one of the protesters from there, I don't know if this happened before it could have, but they could have came over to the probate, be like, hey, y'all, this is what we're doing over there. Or I like, I don't know if there was that kind of communication, but just that one instance, I was like, you know, that, that can be what crushes us, what decimates everything. We got all these protesters out, means nothing because we can't even get our act together. Also, I think a lot of people just forget about intersectionality. They just Mm -hmm. like forget that if you're really passionate about this one social justice issue or if you're really passionate about this one civil rights issue, like you need to be passionate about everything, Mm -hmm. okay? You can't Mm -hmm. just pick and choose. I'm gonna support these marginalized people not going to pay any attention to this group of marginalized people because it's all intertwined together and it's the same system that we're, everyone's living under, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Which is probably the most liberal thing I've ever said in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it comes out of all of us. I also was wondering, you know, we need some, we need more Washington leaders. I mean, Bernie's still there. He was speaking out, I think, on like Face the Nation or something, saying some clips and stuff. Um, but I think he needs to be back out there like he was campaigning. Like, I, he needs to be out here rallying us back up because— Well, he said he's going to keep Donald Trump um, accountable. So I believe in him, and he's not—and actually, I think Samantha told me that he's not um, he's not completely eliminating a presidential run in, in four tw- years. Yeah. <laughs> Man. He's not going to be on— is he, more power like, what, to him. More power to him. Right Age now? is nothing but a number. It isn't, but good for old most Bernie. Cases. Good God. And, and and I think a lot of people our age are also scared to get involved in politics. Mm, yes. Like we're like, no, everyone in there is old and they're all stuck in their ways, so we're not gonna go in and we're not gonna try to become involved. But I just wanna give a quick shout out to a lot of my best friends from UNC who are working in Washington DC mm-hmm. right now. Lawyers. China, not lawyers, they're working for the government. or lawyer friends. Yeah, but you have, see, you have lawyer friends. I have friends who are in Washington trying to change stuff. Like, we know people who are out there really pushing for us, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you know those people, talk to them. Yeah. And if you want to become one of those people, become one of those people. Mm -hmm. Be whoever you want to be. That's beautiful. That is very beautiful. Yeah, I think it just, it really does. Like we said, introducing this podcast, our first episode, check it out if you haven't. We can make a difference. And I think we should all just look into, reflect and see what we can do and just start doing that. I'm going to start doing some stuff. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to start listening to people more, I guess. I mean, I already listen. I'm a good listener. So, but, um, you know, I think lastly, to your point that you was making earlier, there was a good New York Times article about the people that voted for Trump and basically why the people that voted for Trump and whether they have any words for those who are feeling disillusioned with Trump. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of them said were that was that basically there was one person on there that had voted for Obama last time, but this time voted for Trump, which is that is like mind blowing mm-hmm. to me, like how you could go from one extreme to the other. And basically, they're frustrated, like you said, with the same things that we're frustrated with, lack of jobs, um, a bad economy, even though from my, even though I think that Obama has done a lot for where we were at under Bush's presidency. And we're about to feel that economy. I but, hope Donald Trump does yeah, something, like, we're about to feel it hard when we like, graduate. Sometimes, I guess, I tend to forget maybe that there are, like, communities of white people down in the South that are very impoverished and don't have a lot. And their frustrations are probably what rang the loudest mm-hmm. in this election, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess the only thing that 
differs in our situations is that we view it from a different racial perspective. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess we we just ignore, like, I I, I can say for myself and maybe for a lot of the media, we just ignored that group of people that were down there, you know, trying to get their voices heard. Also, I I think it's important to always remember, too, if you live up in up here by New York City or if you live in like Boston or a major metropolitan area like on the coasts those are very liberal places mm-hmm. you know get out so yeah we get a certain perspective mm-hmm. and just sort of forget that yeah. there's like this whole other part of the country yeah this is yeah. what i was saying the other it's, day too it's difficult to say sometimes but it is the united states of america and it's a lot of people here and i feel like if we all just I'm feeling really hippie right now, but if we all just I think, I think look at each other really at the right at the human level, right? At just at the human level, lean on and me. yeah, lean on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I'll be your friend. Uh, name one thing that you're gonna do differently than you were doing before. Hmm. To. I mean, for me personally, what. So I came to a career in journalism because I wanted, no, this, I mean, it's funny, but I came to a career in journalism because I wanted to feel like I was contributing something to society. And what I'm doing differently is really thinking critically about my own career and where it's going to go. You know, like there are a lot of different ways that a journalist can go out into the media world and not actually do very much journalism. You know what I'm talking about? Like, after the election, I started to think really critically about how I can use the rest of my life to make a difference. That's good. I like that. It's something, it's it's intrinsic. And it's not just like going out there and becoming involved right this second and doing this. It's more so like working toward a place Mm-hmm. where you can legitimately be influential and or work with people who are influential, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. actually advocate for people because, yes, you can do the, that on a grassroots level and that's very important, but also think ahead, you know. Yeah. I think I'm just going to start conversating more. So come at me. Holler mm. at me. I'm willing to talk if you want to talk about some things. I think that's where I'm going to start at. Jasmine? Last one. Well, I would say I would listen more, but I think that I already try to be empathic with people, you know. But I mean, listening yeah. more that I mean, From yeah, our Facebook but live, I think I yeah, can say I think yes, I've always I think I've always so for maybe some reason I think more? that's why I wanted to become a journalist. I've, I'm I'm used to listening to people and try to see where they're coming from. I guess, hmm, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pay attention to local elections more. Mm. That's what I'm gonna do. Vote. Because but, I do, yeah. but to an extent, I don't pay attention to everything, and I feel like those are the positions that really matter because they affect my community most, but I don't pay attention to them as much as I could have been and as much attention as I paid to the presidential election. So I think that's where I'm going to start. But I think one one thing all millennials can do, like for certain, is in two years vote for those midterm yes. elections, for sure, for vote. sure. Uh, vote and live vote, in this great country. live, be peaceful. Get involved. Um, you know, just let's lift each other up, not tear each other down. Mm, let's work peace. together more. Like, you love know what? I'm going to do this one more thing. I'm gonna do. And also, if listen I know to that the conservatives. Two, if I know that there's two events going on about the same cause, I'm going to personally try to bridge them together. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Love. 
I don't know that's a song. All right. Listen to the other side. Yeah. They're important. Yay. Yay. Woo. Yay. Love and peace. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Those Damn Millennials. Make sure to subscribe or follow the page for more information and updates. Until next time, deuces! You need a writer for that? I, uh, I don't need a ghostwriter. I could write it myself. Let me know why the girl from the Bronx, she says she live, but she sucks. Um. And everybody come in there. Um, but she ain't got no funk. Ah, um. ah, ah. Y'all two haters. But y'all we hate us. No, y'all hate right. And we tight. Because we hate know us. this bitch is nice. Y'all hate us. Y'all need and to everything. get over there. Stop hating. Literal worst freestyle rapper I've ever heard in my life. Like, stick to hype. She's hype-man. not even on the beach. She's like, you are literally Diddy. So I don't give a f. I don't give a f. You gotta find words that rhyme with the words that you use. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me I'm alone. I'm too stressed. Huh? Too stressed to give a f. Cause I'm stressed. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> It's too hectic. I'm stressed. It's too hectic. I'm just trying to get lit. I feel like I feel like one of our podcasts should really be us trying to freestyle. That'd be hilarious. That'd be like two minutes. I know. (laughs) We'd be like, all right, it's too hectic. It's too hectic. We need to take some leisure time for ourselves. What in the world? (laughs) We need to get lit. We need to get lit. Cause life too hectic, and I'm stressed and unfit. Last year I was in China freestyle. Uh, 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 you say yeah, you down on here. this block, but we I know that here. you're not. So Ay. you better go and stop it. <laughs> I'm just a hype woman. I'm just a hype woman. <laughs>